0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Hey, what's going on, friends and families? Pastor Jay Harris from the Ville Church. Thank you for tuning in this morning for our Sunday service. We are glad to have you. Um, I normally would say in the building with us, you know what I'm saying? But we're glad to have you online. Um, I'm going to jump into our text this morning. Before I get started, I want to encourage you with a couple of things. If you have people right now that you know you haven't talked to in a minute, make sure you're checking on them. We've been telling our church, listen, pray for your people, call them, you know, work through your phone, maybe call two or three people a day just to make sure they're all right because a lot of people are struggling through the social distancing thing and it's new for all of us and so we really need to be holding on to each other and loving each other through the process and and actually this text that we're going to be in today is going to be talking a lot about love and what that actually looks like from the basis of about the body of christ and people of god loving on each other and how god has called us to do that and so i hope that you're encouraged this morning let me jump in here so if you have your bibles with you Go to Colossians 3, 12 through 14, and I'll read that to you. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So right off the bat on this scripture right here, before we jump in, I wanna give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. So Paul is talking to the people, the people of God who are in Colossae, right? The Colossians, right? So they have a church there. Paul has got word that the church is actually doing really well, um, that the people are loving God and their hearts are just pure in the sense of they're just being led by the Holy Spirit and they're following Jesus. Uh, um, and, and, and so he's pretty much, people have been, um, his brother has been boasting to them about the people of Colossae. And so Paul responds with this letter that we're reading out of today. And he is actually encouraging them and pushing them to even go deeper with Jesus and to hold on to Jesus. With a whole bunch of encouragements and just making the gospel extremely explicit, and in this particular piece of this text, he's going into um, how they maintain culture within the body of Christ through the love of God. And so, I'm gonna push on these things for you and see if I can make it clear and plain, right? So, so he starts off. He says, "Put on then as God's chosen ones." What is he saying to put on? And he, and he goes on, he says, put on then, and he says, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So we're going to be talking about that. But he's talking to the chosen ones. And as I was saying, Paul is writing this to the people of God. When you hear me using the phrase or any other preacher saying the body of Christ, what he's actually talking about is the church. When we talk about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, it says that he actually died for his church right for the for his bride like the church he calls his bride he we the first uh, Peter 5 says that we are all living stones smaller stones that make a building the church as corporately we are the church individually we are stones right so when he says chosen ones he is he's talking about people who have been called out of darkness as to be followers of Jesus Christ and so I have a scripture that um, it's it's ephesians 2 1 through 10 and i'm gonna read the whole thing because i just really love this text and i feel like it makes it very very clear um what we're talking about when we talk about chosen ones it gives you like what 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 is that right so ephesians 2 says this says and you were dead in the trespasses in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once and lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So right there he distinguishes or whatever, like you were once lost in the sauce. So this conversation about God's chosen ones is not about this special group of people who are so awesome because they're so, so good. He's making explicit in Ephesians 2, like, homie, you are lost in the sauce just like everybody else. The Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one human on this earth that's going to show up before the Lord and pull out their resume like, I was awesome because I did this, I did that, and it's not going to play. Paul is making it plain. All of us actually fall short all of us were in this group of people called um, the sons of disobedience or daughters of disobedience if you want to generalize it we all fell in that category right and he also calls them children of wrath that's us in our sin separated from God because of our sin and verse 4 starts like this but God being rich in his mercy and it starts off with but God because we only talk him out we only give him glory to God it's all about what he's done. It says, but God being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead, filthy in our sins, what it's saying made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith faith. And listen to this part. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I could preach that text all day. I'm not going to do it to you, but I want you to hear that. I want you to grab a hold of it. One of the things that I want to make explicit is that it says, this is not your doing. So when we're talking about the chosen ones inside of Colossians, put on then as God's chosen ones, that boast, if we're going to boast about being chosen, we're going to be boasting about God's faithfulness to us because it has nothing to do with us or our goodness or anything we did. There's no way to earn this chosen status. It is an act of God's grace. He is the only one we boast out of, in, about in this scenario. But Paul is making the point, though. Being that you have been chosen, put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience so he's pretty much t- he's talking about these things like and I think it, I believe in some some translations it says like clothe yourself in like as if you're putting on a garment so like when we talk about compassionate hearts kindness and humility we're basically talking about a royal garment that god has given us tailored by the king of kings creator of all things right the fly stuff better than dapper dan better than Kanai. i don't know who you mess with today whatever better than balenciaga whatever that it by the king and creator of all things. These royal robes for us to actually wear. But here's the thing. The robes are actually not, they're not at your crib. In other words, like I was saying before, this is not about you. This is about God. The actual garments are in the house of God. So you see it like this right here. Say I have some fresh stuff in my crib or whatever. And I'm like, yo, this is yours. But I'm coming to get that. You got to come to my crib to get it. It's yours, but you got to come to my You have to go through me to actually get it. This is the same circumstance with this. These things or whatever are not about us looking at them and going, Oh, I need to go get on my to-do list. I need to start having a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now it's like, I need to go to the Lord's house. I need to go see Jesus. I need to come before Jesus Christ so he can clothe me in this thing, right? So I have access so he can put these things on. God actually gives us these things right so as children of god like we exhibit kindness as opposed to rudeness we move in humility not pride and ego we move in meekness right we we allow patience to do us beautiful work as opposed to being impatient and wanting what we want right now these things are actually gifts we get from god because god himself is the very definition of these words and when i say god himself i'm talking about jesus is god and he is the very definition of what we call patient when we look at his life all of this is laid out for us plainly you understand and so i'm gonna keep on pushing to the next um, verse in verse 13. verse 13 says bearing with one another and if one has complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you almost must must forgive so we're specifically talking about the culture that is proper holy that is to be lived out in the body of christ through the power of christ you understand he is talking to the body so in verse 13 he starts off he says bearing with one another we've already identified that he's talking to the chosen people so he's saying bearing with one one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other it's a family affair right god is actually giving us the the he has given us the culture that actually pleases him brings him joy and that he gifts to us through his son jesus christ and he's saying clothe yourself in it you know i'm a parent my church hears me says this say this all the time but like and and other parents out there probably grieve grieve me I have 10 kids and my house gets rowdy it gets crazy sometimes or whatever and but one of the things that frustrates me more than anything with my children is when i see them mistreating each other like they will tell you like if you want to see daddy get mad and that crazy or whatever and the eyeballs bulge out of his head and all that stuff which i it, anyway but yeah if you want to see that pop off mistreat each other Talk to each other like you don't care for each other. Trample over each other's feelings. Treat each other like you're nothing. If they do that, daddy flips out. Daddy flips out, it's just what it is, whatever. It grieves my heart. You understand, I don't like it because, you know, for me, I'm saying this is not how we function as a family. And this is what, Paul is giving them encouragement. He's not chastising them, but he's encouraging in this because he knows that this is what God actually has gifted to us to maintain and be a part of the ingredients of a loving family that exhibits the power of, that gives glory to god because of what christ has actually done in our heart so he's saying clothe yourself in this right clothe yourself in this but once again how do we clothe ourselves in this at the end of that text on verse 13 he says as the lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive John 15 9 says this as the father has loved me this is Jesus as the father has loved me so I have loved you abide in my love you see that Jesus is talking about how he is receiving love from the father and then he is passing it on to us he's saying abide in me I'm going to give you the love that my that the father has given me and so the love of Christ as it lives inside of us as we abide in him as we abide, as we are connected, as branches, we connected to the vine, right? The Bible tells us, it says, if you are disconnected from the vine or whatever, then that flow can't happen. You can't be nourished from it. But if you actually abide in the vine, which we are talking about, Jesus Christ, then you can be nourished. And one of the things that he nourishes with is power to actually have with, with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience as his life is illuminated to us. He is the very living definition of these things, right? He is the very living definition of these things. And so he says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You know, we always say like WWJD, what would Jesus do? And it's become somewhat cliche and some people even mock it, but it's actually Functionally, a great phrase and it's a great way to actually process and think through things. Like a lot of times when I'm in situations and sometimes I just don't know the answer or I'm tripping over my my flesh and what I feel like is good, which sounds good to me, but it may be fueled by anger, all kind of emotions that aren't holy or aren't right, aren't pleasing to God. I have to go to God's word. That is what allows me to understand the forgiveness that I've been lavished with and therefore forgive. You know, a lot of times when we talk about some of these things, like if you if you want to have a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, we're inside of a broken world. Everybody's not going to respond and give you back kindness for your kindness. Sometimes people are going to give you back and serve you up a platter of nastiness or whatever, right? And what seems sensible for us is I for a eye, you know what I'm saying? Two for a tooth. And I'm no different than nobody else or whatever. Like I can get angry and bump and go crazy with the rest of them or whatever, but by the power of God and the things that he's done inside of my heart and that he does inside the heart of his people is that he is showing himself. Whatever we feel that we've been done wrong in, whatever kind of injustice we feel that we've suffered, it's right to fight for justice. That is a holy and right thing. But there is no one because there is no one holy. There's no one pure. There's no one sin free. There's no one who has suffered injustice like Christ did. There's no one who's been abused. There is no thing that is so grievously wrong that has touched the earth beyond Jesus dying on the cross as a holy, pure king and creator of the entire world, the spotless lamb giving his life. There's nothing that compares to that. And so he takes this and God exalts the work he does with him. And he he on that cross for our filthy sins, he gives us forgiveness Us completely guilty, him completely innocent. And he switches the whole thing. I'm going to take your filth and I'm going to take the wrath from it. For you, I'm going to give you cleanness, make you spotless. I'm going to call you one of the chosen ones. I'm going to call you a child of God, not a child of wrath. I'm going to call you a child of God. That's what he says. He says, I'm going to call you a child of God. So he does this thing. He lifts himself up so we can taste what forgiveness is, so we can understand it intimately, so we can understand our our position of of rightfully being under his judgment, so we could actually lavish in the fact that we've been washed in forgiveness and that judgment passed on to him. And so, this is what it's saying right there, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. At the cross, a a holy sinless king humbly gave his life for wretched sinners he looked on our justly condemned faces and showed us compassion and mercy limitations 3 22 through 23 says this says the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are they are they are new every morning great is your faithfulness do you understand that think about that for a minute You ever been in that place where you done messed up whatever you done promised to god you're gonna get it right and stop messing up and tripping but here you are repenting for the 500th time in a week for the same exact sin and you feel like a complete filthy low down dirty dog and satan is in your ear like i thought you was a christian homie i thought you was this and that the bible says that his steadfast love never ceases and that his mercies are made new every morning the bible actually says that god actually joys in wiping away our trespasses and our iniquities that's what we're dealing with that's what we're dealing with right for our hateful and our meanness he gave us kindness he justified his children as holy and sinless like himself on the cross and then patiently sanctifies us day by day He makes us holy when we come into his place because of the work he's done. But He is faithful to us and day by day he sanctifies us. He says there's no more condemnation. So when we trip, we don't have to lay on the ground. We're able to come before the Lord because his mercy and his grace is big enough to handle our abuse as people who sin and stumble and trip and lie and all of these things his grace is big enough to handle that and He is going to continue and faithfully wash us and we only are going to be healed and grow as we actually what lavish inside of that faithfulness and count him as faithful it's one thing to talk about this stuff and talk about theology it's a whole nother thing to actually believe it believing has power and he gives us the power to believe right So in 13, he says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And then verse 14 says this. It says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. There's a Stevie Wonder song called uh, Love's in Need of Love today. And essentially what Stevie Wonder's saying in this song, he is basically saying like the brand of love that the world is pushing. He's like, yo, don't taste like love no more. He's saying like love's in need of love today or whatever. Shout out to Stevie, one of, one of the greatest artists that ever live, in my personal opinion. Um, Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to, to man, but the end of that way is death. The end of that way is death, right? So Jesus is And this, excuse me, Paul in the scripture saying, and above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Everybody has a perspective of love. But unfortunately, as mankind, we're so flawed. We're so, depravity overruns us so much that our perspective of love, it starts to make love not even seem like love anymore. But it actually will be breadcrumbs walking right to death, right? We've showed that we're actually good at that. We'll show that we're actually good at that. And one of the things about repenting and following Christ Jesus is that and following the Lord is that you actually come to this place where you're like, even on my good day, my fruit is destruction. What I actually birthed out of my action is destruction. Even when I call it good, it ends up being something bad. Somebody gets cut. Somebody gets injured. Like it's coming to this place where like God in his gift and his grace and mercy to you what it looks like is that he brings you to this place where like you can actually see clearly and you see yourself as more of a monster than everybody else you try to call a monster and you see yourself as need of a savior that is the work of God it's one of the things that he does to us and then he begins to write a true perspective a true understanding of what love looks like and what he paints that picture as is his son Jesus on the cross paints this as Jesus on the cross. I want to read first Corinthians 13 to you. when we read first Corinthians 13 and I'm gonna start at the top of it. Um, even though for my point, I could start at verse four, I'm gonna start at verse one because I want to knock. Um, I want to do a sweep the leg Johnny on some people who may be kind of feeling themselves, which is me at times. It's all of us at times where we start to think that we actually, um, have something to kind of, you know, like we think our works are worth something of some kind of value and we start feeling ourselves and maybe people patting us on the back, like, oh, you do your thing and this and that, and we start believing it. Let me show you what that stuff is worth in God's kingdom. First Corinthians 13 says this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, all our slick talk, everything else, whatever. I don't care if you could say things and move people's hearts and stir their minds and and do the most compelling of speeches. If you have no love, you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And then it says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So let's just track that prophetic powers you could be able to see the future, homie. You'd be able to understand all mysteries and knowledge, intellectual, all of that, academic, understand all knowledge. You may have a monstrous amount of faith, more than most people. You may be able to shame most people because they just seem faithless standing be next to you and the way you talk and the way you move and the things you pursue. But it says, but if you have no love, if you don't have love, says I am nothing, says you're nothing. It says it means nothing without love, right? It's just vanity. And then verse 3 says, and if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I give away all I have, so we could be one of the most giving, loving, consistent people in the world, and giving away all that we have, and everybody could gather around us and say, man, you're so loving and you're so awesome. And man, you're just a man of God, or a woman of God, whatever the case may be. And even be willing to actually give up your body to be burned. But you don't have love. You gain nothing. So God is taking these things that from a worldly standpoint, from a worldly culture, we take and we put really, really, really high. We take really, really high and we esteem them. But people can actually play these things off or whatever and completely lack love in their heart. God says it like in the Bible whatever, people come to the Lord and they say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. We healed the sick, we helped people. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He's like, y'all, I don't even know you. Because they, in their self-righteousness, they went to the works aspect. They thought all of these things actually made them something. But they thought very little God's Son Jesus coming and dying on the cross and God will actually judge that he will judge that it's a sin it's wrong but let me tell you what verse 4 says in 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 Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians 13 verse 4 says love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it's not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice At wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things so when we in verse 14 and it says and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and then we look at first we look at uh, 1st Corinthians 13 and this description of what all the all the ingredients and seasoning that is actually inside of love christ is it christ is it it's not a checklist for you to go and try to actually um assume that you could grasp these things outside of the power of god it's not a checklist for you to go okay i feel like i'm doing this thing really really good I really really good is going to always be pitiful compared to what christ is, has done but god christ is our source You don't put on, don't, don't go try to put on the outfit without going to the, to, to Jesus. You got to go to his house. All the good stuff is in his closet and he's going to lavish the flyest stuff on us. You understand what I mean? So it's about your time with, you know, for application purposes, it's about your time with Jesus. It's about your prayer time. It's about being in the word. It's about just coming before the Lord and just plainly saying, father, change my heart. God, do the change, work on this thing sanctify me lord like i like like i i I know that i fall short i i see it with my kids i see it with my frustration when it get on my nerves i see it with my spouse i see it with my friends i see it on facebook i see people just short-tempered and not loving and not caring about other people's circumstances i see people playing know-it-alls like they know everything in the world and we really know they don't know nothing at all we all out here at the mercy of the lord and so it's okay to bring that stuff to the Lord. That's humility. That God is doing that to you. He's actually giving you a gift. He's clothing you in that very moment for you to be at the, the you know, be on your knees before him. The relationship with our father is not contingent on you being good and awesome. That was never part of the story. It was about him. It's about him showing himself holy. And him actually loving sinners. Him actually taking sons of obedience, disobedience and making him his children sons and daughters of the king of kings the bible calls children the chosen ones ministers of reconciliation meaning that they actually they actually pursue those who are enemies of god and bring them back into relationship with the father enemies made children of god enemies made children of god that's the business that God is in. Let me read John 3.16, which most of us know this verse. We've seen it on a million Hallmark cards, but I just want to elaborate on it a little bit for you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now listen to verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Every single human walking the face of this earth who does not know Jesus is already condemned. The work of Jesus Christ, this message that we preach about Jesus, and when we say repent and follow the Lord, when we say, when we preach that and we proclaim it, When we're preaching repentance, you're already in a bad situation. We all were in a bad situation. Even the chosen ones, as I read to you in Ephesians 2, we all were sons of disobedience, following our flesh, doing what we want. We weren't created to do what we want. We were created to bring glory to a holy king. And that's the fact of the matter. And so Jesus on the cross stands strong and sure as a sign and an act of mercy to us all to save those who are condemned not to condemn but to save those who are already condemned so if you hear this it's good news if you close your ears and turn a deaf ear to the good news then it's bad news for you because you're left in your fallen state and you're left in a place of condemnation And I wouldn't be loving you if I didn't tell you. And I don't tell you because I think I got it together. I think it because God got me together because of Jesus. Because somebody was once again at a certain point sitting on the other side of me telling me this exact same thing. And I shut my ears a million times.